Everybody ready? Okay. If you have a Bible and you want to, you can turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. So we are going to read stories about two people, two very different people, who approached Jesus searching for healing. And we're going to see how he responded to each of them. And as we read this, I want us to keep in mind that these are real people with real emotions and real life and death problems. Okay, these aren't just stories about Jesus and the miracles that he did, although that's true. These are also stories about real people who encountered Jesus and were seen by him and then were changed by their interaction with him. Right? Okay, so as we're reading, you can picture yourself in the scene. Who do you feel for? What are you witnessing? How do you respond to what is happening? Okay? You guys ready? This is kind of a long reading. So it's okay though. It's like very, uh, it's very dramatic. So we'll be fine. We're going to start in verse 22. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, someone say immediately. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, again, immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. 
He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and he said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in to where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Okay? You guys okay after that really long story? (laughs) Um, So... There were two people who approached Jesus. One was a synagogue ruler. He was an important man. He was a popular man. He was a man who was known by his name, Jairus. And he was a man who 12 years ago, joy entered his house when his daughter was born. And for the last 12 years, he had lived what a lot of people would call a very blessed and favored life. Until one day recently, he had received bad news. And so he came to Jesus and he approached him face to face. And he fell down in front of him and he said, Jesus, if you can come and lay your hands on my daughter, I know that she will be healed. See, he had the faith to believe that if Jesus would come and lay his hands on her, she would be healed and live. And Jesus saw his faith and so he went with him. Okay? Well, in the meantime, there was a woman in the crowd who was not known by her name. She was known by her problem. And 12 years ago, when this man was receiving good news that your daughter was born, she was receiving bad news of her illness. And for the last 12 years, she had received bad report after bad report. And she had gotten weaker and weaker. And she had gone to doctor after doctor who had taken all of her money and not offered her a cure in return. Until she had spent everything that she had and there was nothing left. She had spent 12 lonely years in suffering. Okay, until she realized that um, there there was nothing left that she could try. This particular illness would have made her unclean according to Jewish law. Okay, so she could not even live in the same part of, of the house as anyone else. No one could sit where she sat. No one could eat what she cooked. No one could touch her at all. And if she had children, she couldn't even hug them. She couldn't go worship at the synagogue with everyone else. She couldn't go offer sacrifices at the temple. And if she went anywhere in a public setting, she had to stay really far away from everyone. And if someone got close to her, she had to shout out, unclean, so that they wouldn't accidentally bump into her. Okay? Do you guys, do you guys get this? This was 12 lonely 
painful, exhausting years. And she had searched, and she had searched for answers, and she had held on to hope over and over and over again until there was nothing left, nothing left to spin, nothing left to try, no one left to help her, and her only hope was Jesus. Okay? So these two very different people with very different experiences both found themselves in desperation at the feet of Jesus. One came publicly, kneeling in front of him and talking to him. And the other one came in secret, coming from behind him, not wanting to say a word. But they both found common ground in their need of him. And they both received from him way more than they asked for. Okay? You guys ready? Okay, let's talk about the woman first. Okay? She had spent 12 years as an outcast in society. She was not welcome in public settings. She was not welcome in anyone's home, including her own. She was not even welcome in the house of God. So we can understand then why she didn't feel like she could approach Jesus and talk to him. Okay? She wasn't allowed to be near anyone, much less a rabbi and a synagogue ruler. And she couldn't approach Jesus and ask him to lay his hands on her and heal her because she was unclean. He wasn't allowed to touch her. But she didn't let this stop her. Somewhere deep inside, she knew there's power in him. And I don't need to talk to him. I don't need to ask him. I can't wait around for him to notice me. If I can just get close enough, I can't touch him. But if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Okay? Do you get this? So she pressed through the crowd. And she can feel with every fiber of her being. I don't belong here. And we can imagine with every step, her heart starts to beat faster. Because if they know who she is, they're going to throw her out. But 12 years of suffering moves her on. And she, and she presses in, determined to reach him. And the original language tells us, that this thought is just playing over and over and over again in her mind in a repetitive motion. If I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. If I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And it kept her going. And she pressed in and she pressed in until suddenly she was behind him. And she reaches out and she touches him, his clothes, and immediately that which was unclean became clean. Immediately that which was sick became healed. What if we believe that? Do you know how many times a week I hear, oh, oh, you're sick, don't come near me. Oh, don't touch me, you're sick. Oh, that's sick, stay home. What if we believed the opposite? What if when the sick touched us, because we have the power of Jesus, what if we didn't become sick? What if they became healed? What if we believe that? Because that's what she did. Immediately, that which was unclean became clean. That which was sick became healed. 
And then, because she had spent 12 years as an outcast, she just faded back into the crowd. Because 12 years had taught her to stay in the shadows and to process her feelings alone and to not draw attention to herself. Okay, but Jesus felt it and he stopped and he looked around and he said, Wait a second, who touched my clothes? And his disciples are confused. And they're like, what are you talking about? Look around you. Don't you see the crowd around you? Why are you asking this question? You see, everyone was there. Everyone was near him. Everyone was around him. Everyone was bumping into him. But no one was accessing his power. Nobody but her. See, they were just casually being with Jesus, casually talking to him, casually touching him. And she was the only one in the crowd to lay hold of his power. And Jesus recognized the difference. Okay? So, you see, sometimes... Jesus said, hey, hey, wait a second. Someone didn't just bump into me. Someone's faith touched my power. Okay? He's like, this one was different. And he knew it immediately. You see, sometimes we need to come and we need to lay at the feet of Jesus in surrender. And sometimes we need to come and we need to sit with him and we need to talk with him and we need to ask him questions, and we need to learn from him. And sometimes we need to just be with him and worship him. But if we do all those things and we never lay hold of his power, then it's not enough. Sometimes we need to get desperate enough to hold on to lay hold of his power. You see, we don't often get this desperate because we have so many options. And we can just, we can just casually come be with Jesus because it's fun. And we can throw him a few worship songs about how great he is. And we can throw him a few, if it be your will, prayers. And we can give him a few thank you for blessing me offerings. And then we can go through our life with our list of options, keeping him in this category over here because we don't really need him yet. We still have options. And we don't know how desperate we are. Okay? You guys okay? What if, instead of waiting for all of our options to run out, what if we became desperate to lay hold of his power Before that happened. How would it change everything? How would it change the world? How many times do we just casually come in and just be with him? And not lay hold of the power that's available, that's flowing through him. Okay? You guys okay? (laughs) So... As Jesus was searching the crowd, and he said he kept looking around, and he kept looking around, 
And I'm sure that she was feeling, hey, maybe if I don't answer him, I hope he'll, really hope he'll move on. <laughs> but he wouldn't. And so she realized, hey, I'm going to have to face him. And it was her most courageous move of the day. She came forward and she told him the whole truth. And she named her illness and she braced herself for the whispers in the rejection because you know that if she was unclean and she allowed someone in the crowd to touch her, that she could be stoned. That's why it says she was trembling with fear. But Jesus didn't reject her. He said, hey, I want you to tell your story. Tell the whole story, the whole truth. Tell everything. And I want everyone to hear what you've been through. And so she goes through the whole thing. Twelve years of searching and searching for answers and holding on to hope and trying this and doing that and 12 years of isolation and 12 years of being an outcast and 12 years of pain and 12 years of, of just disappointment over and over again. And then she tells about, oh, I heard about Jesus and I came and then I didn't know what I could do. And then I thought, if I can't touch you, but if I can just touch your clothes. And so I kept coming and I kept pressing in and I kept going. And then I touched you and everything changed. And I felt it in my body. Everything was different. And Jesus listened to her whole story and he waited for her to get all the way to the end. And then with one word, he restored everything that she had lost. He said, daughter. You see, this woman hadn't belonged anywhere in 12 years. This woman had no one to speak for her. You see, Jairus' daughter had someone to call her daughter, had someone to come to Jesus and speak to her, had someone to claim her, and this woman had nobody. And Jesus said, I'll speak for you. Come on. I'll be your family. Yep. Yep. I'll be your healer. Yep. Come on. I will be hey. everything. I will be your restorer. And he restored everything. He said, you are a daughter. You are my daughter. I will claim you. I will speak for you. In front of everybody. And then he goes on to say, hey, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go and be free from your suffering. See, this wasn't the moment she was healed. She was already healed. But what he was doing in this moment was two things. One, he was saying, hey, you need to know that it was your faith that healed you. My clothes don't have any magical properties whatsoever. It wasn't my clothes that healed you. It was when your faith connected with my power and you laid hold of it. And then his second part of the declaration was his telling everybody, you are now restored in society. You are now clean. See, it's not enough for you to just be healed and then go back into the shadows. I will restore you. I will restore everything that you've lost. Everything. Because it's not enough just to physically heal you. I care about your emotions. I care about your heart. I care about what you've been through. I care about what people think of you. I care enough to restore every part of you. Everything about you publicly see she came privately 
but he restored her public publicly. What would the world look like if we knew what we carried? So while all this is going on, I wonder what Jairus is thinking. Because he's got a desperate situation as well. His little girl, his little daughter is in desperate need of help. And here's Jesus, just talking to some woman, listening to her whole story. And no matter how long that took, to Jairus, it must have felt like it was taking hours. And then his worst fear came true as the men came from his house and they said, it's too late. Your daughter has died. And as he's watched Jesus call this woman his daughter, his daughter has died. And, and he somehow, because of the delay, it felt like his situation was over. And we've been here too, right? We come to Jesus, we ask him to move, he starts to move, and we feel he's starting to move, and then suddenly it feels like everything stops. And there's a delay, and we don't understand, and we don't get it. And we're like, where did he go? Why isn't he moving? And then something happens that makes us feel like it's over, and we're like, I don't understand. It feels like if he would have kept his momentum, everything would have been different. And Jesus looks at, at Jairus, and he says, don't be afraid. Just believe. The original language there has the picture of running away. Because you can imagine as, Jair as Jairus is hearing these words, he wants to run. He wants to go. He wants to get there. And Jesus says, no, stop. Don't run. Don't run. Stay with me. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't run away. Don't leave me. Stay right here with me. Hold on to me. Don't quit. Stay in belief. You see, delays. See, him healing Jairus' daughter was no more difficult now than it was. Jesus said, hold on to me. Stay with me. Stay connected, and you will see the glory of God. You see, sometimes we need to go and just, we don't need to talk. We don't need to ask. We just need to lay hold of his power. And then sometimes we just need to lay hold of him and hold on and not run away to the ne to, to, toward the next crisis and leave him. You see, there's nothing wrong with just coming and being with Jesus and talking to him. But we have two instincts. And one is, you know, as long as everything is, is good, I'm content just to have a good time with Jesus. 
I don't really need to lay hold of his power right now. I don't really have a need that I need that for. I still have a lot of options. Things are going pretty good. I'm just going to float in the river with Jesus. And then there's times when a crisis comes and we want to leave him and go take care of it. And he says, come lay hold of my power. Don't just be with me. Don't just casually hang out. Lay hold of my power. And then when the bad news comes, hold on to me and don't leave. Don't quit. Don't give up. You stay. Okay? You guys okay? Listen, I, I see a world... I see a desperate world, but we don't know that we're desperate. I see a world full of options and full of tools that will help us if we get bad news. And I see a church that's just casually bumping into Jesus. Coming in, singing songs about how great he is, and then going home and going through our list of options. I see people of God who are waiting. They see the delay, and they're just waiting on the next great thing, the next glimpse of hope, the next conference, the next great church, the next great leader, the next election, the next court case. And we resign ourselves to waiting for someone to come rescue us. And I think Jesus is waiting for his church to lay hold of his power and to become desperate enough to realize how desperate the world is for the church to lay hold of his power. Because listen, when Jesus got to Jairus' house, he said, your daughter is not dead. She's only asleep. Do you know what that tells me? This little girl was healed before he got there. Because when he got there, she said, He's not, she's not dead. Now, I don't know this for sure, but when that woman touched his clothes, Jesus said, hey, power just went out of me. And I wonder if that power couldn't be contained with just that woman, and it just flowed right on out there and healed the, and healed the little girl. I can't say that for sure, but what I can say is that when we lay hold of the power of God, it doesn't just affect us. It spills out all over the place. It spills out all over wherever we're going and wherever we are. And it can't help but affect the world around us. When his people become desperate enough to lay hold of the power that flows from King Jesus. Okay, you guys can stand up. I I don't really, (laughs) I don't really have any more words for you. I just feel 
you can start that, Pops. I just feel like the question before us today, because what, what Jeremy is saying, like, we are a mighty church. That's absolutely true. And, and we are a church that's, that's different. We are a church that's not, not just content with being with Jesus. But I think the question before us today is how desperate can you become to lay hold of the power that's available? Don't wait till you run out of options. Don't wait till we run out of options. The time is now. He's waiting for his church to arise. Like he said to that little girl, it's time to arise. It's time to get up. It's time to wake up. It's time to move around. It's time to grab hold of the power of God and not be... It's not okay to just, we're just going to self-protect because there's a delay. No, we stay with him. We hold on to him. We keep pressing in. We keep pressing in. We keep pressing in. We're like, I won't let it stop me. I won't let it stop me. I will grab hold of the power of God. What if we went into a place and we touched the sick and they became healed. What if we weren't afraid? What if we stopped being afraid and started becoming desperate? ask that question with the Lord, what does it look like for me to be desperate, to touch the power of God, for my faith to touch His power, and for that power to flow out until it spills out all over the place, all over the city, all over the church, all over the people.